So this is an excerpt from Majim and Nikaya 35, the shorter discourse on Sachika. Here, Sachika, also known as Ajivesana, asked the Buddha, How does Master Gautama discipline his disciples? And how is Master Gautama's instruction usually presented to his disciples? This is how I discipline my disciples, Ajivesana, and this is how my instruction is usually presented to my disciples. Bhikkhus, Material form is impermanent, feeling is impermanent, perception is impermanent, determinations are impermanent, consciousness is impermanent. Bhikkhus, material form is not self, feeling is not self, perception is not self, determinations are not self, consciousness is not self. All determinations are impermanent, all things are not self. Uh, so, why does the Buddha describe things as um, not self rather than impermanent, like determinations? Say that again. So, why doesn't he describe um, the uh, things as not self? Uh, uh, sorry, as as impermanent. Uh, like he mm. describes determinations as impermanent. Right, right. <coughs> well, because that would be on the level of um, an explanation. It would be on the level of everything is impermanent, everything is not self. And then people would just use that to basically paste it over their experience and say, yeah, yeah, everything is not self, everything is not self. But the point is to see it for yourself. Which means the impermanence um, and the not self are uh, on two different levels, if you see it rightly. So you need to see the impermanence rightly in order to experience the not-self. But if you just think that not-self is seen where all this impermanence is seen, uh, well, you'll see that with yourself, with your sense of self. So that's why all determinations are impermanent, all things are not-self. Not all determinations are impermanent, all determinations are not-self. I mean, all determinations are not-self, but that's not the insight you need to see. That in, in and of itself would just be uh, just another kind of information and the view you could just adopt, which is exactly what people do today. It's like, oh yeah, the Buddha, you know, has said everything is impermanent, and you can see everything is impermanent. This is not myself. This is impermanent. That house is impermanent. This car, everything is impermanent. Everything is not self. No, everything is impermanent. I'm not myself. So that's then when you also have to recognize that this impermanence of determinations of things that determine you and define you is not the impermanence of random things in the scientific world it's the impermanence of things that are dear to you that you are bound with that your sense of self is generated by so seeing that as impermanent means your experience won't be taken as mine so to understand impermanence you don't <coughs> um, like uh, focus on sensations in my knees no, it's more no. You, no. the context. Well, of no. Just find what's what's dear to you. What would you be afraid of losing? And, and that's where the impermanence is. Like where where I where I find gratification, where I seek yeah, pleasure. Yeah, where my sense of self resides. Yeah. yeah, you have to start undermining it by seeing it that it has to sit on something that's impermanent. It has to be defined by. So, yeah. like when the Buddha spoke about a king, he was he was defined by his king's possessions by his king's army, king's wives, king's palaces. That is what makes him a king. And you have to <coughs> allow that um, like, yes, uh, that sense of self 
to arise without acting out of it I- in order to then be able to discern the determinations of it. Well, yeah, sure. But you really need to start. You won't even be seeing the sense of self and whether you act or not. Like you need to, first you need to sort of stop looking for impermanence on the level of observation. Like whether it's tactile sensations or sights and sounds, oh, it's impermanent, it's impermanent. And just reflect and see what are the things that you are sort of attached to? What are the things that are dear to you? What were the things that you'd be afraid of losing? Those are the determinations that are impermanent. See, they determine you for what you are. They determine the value of things for you. So that's what you want to see as impermanent, and thus it cannot be yourself. And initially that's quite like scary. So for a king mm. to see that I'm a king because of what makes me a king, like the crown. If, yeah, the all, all king. a king would need to do is just to start reflecting that he could lose all of those things, including he himself as a king. wouldn't be no more. And if he does not and develop w- his he mind... Will. There's not, he could. He, he will. Oh, yeah, he will, of course. Of course, yeah. okay, it's 100%. But if somebody just starts to practice, they will not necessarily be able to like just fully recognize it's 100% it's going to happen. But it would still be useful to even just start thinking, yeah, I could. See, I could already means, I, okay, so I, I can't take this for granted. And if it cannot be taken for granted, it cannot be myself. It cannot be my ownership. I'm not the master controller if it can change against my will. So the king doesn't need to destroy his palaces to, to, to realize a Nietzsche. He just needs to start questioning what he has taken for Nietzsche. That's it. What he's taken is permanent. Yeah. And, yeah, because a lot of people think, <coughs> like, w- when I meditate, it should be pleasurable. Like, it should be... Um, so so this yeah. is uh, actually saying, okay, th- there's this something quite scary that yeah in this contemplation and that's good that's something which you should initially yeah not, not well yeah that's why the gradual training you don't just start you sit down and you enter these contemplations and so on like you have such sense restraint withdrawal from unwholesome from sensuality mm. that will give you the capacity to then hold these uncomfortable things internally without sort of you know looking away immediately or trying to get rid of it or cover it up or distract yourself from it yeah so I keep saying like you know even whatever <coughs> however you would have arrived at the practice, whatever meditation technique you're doing, really what you need to start is like, why am I doing this? Gotta start questioning that. What am I, exp- like, okay, so you, you're observing sensations or, you know, focusing on some objects and so on. It's like, yeah, what's the, what's the point of that? Do I know? Do you see? What's this supposed to result in? He calm me, calms me down, calms me down in regard to what? Where does the disturbance come from so that I need to practice calmness? What is it that disturbs me? Is it the fact that I was not focused enough? Or is it the fact that I'm holding dear things that are not in my control and when I feel even the slightest hint at them perhaps changing or becoming otherwise, I'm overwhelmed with stress and pain and, and, and being unable to keep the lid on it. It's like, oh, well, that's the root of suffering, not your lack of focusing on undeveloped concentration method. No, it's the wide basis of things taken for granted as mine that cannot be yours, and you're turning a blind eye on it, and that's why you, the stress is building up, the pressure at the edge. Start relinquishing it, and there'll be nothing able to perturb you, <coughs> even if you never ever sit again in a lotus posture to meditate. And you relinquish it by seeing Seeing well, yeah, it you relinquish it exactly by that <coughs> contemplation. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah, this is dear to me. 
is this in my control is it subject to being otherwise all these things and sustain those contexts don't ignore them don't take them for granted and that is relinquishing those things those that uh, I came across the other day the translation well <coughs> it's it's alts and caras are other and it wasn't alien. using the t- alien yeah, foreign yeah. it wasn't using the term in Nietzsche mm. it was using <coughs> other foreign alien mm. which is in Nietzsche yeah. it's like all sankaras are other so all the things that are determining myself are other than myself whatever myself yeah. might be yeah. all they're the alien to me fundamentally they cannot be familiar friendly personal dear they're alien they're unknown they're un- subject to change they cannot be accessed so in the core, they remain alien yeah. to me. And that's why this sense of me, <laughs> that depends on that alien core, well, it's equally alien to yeah. me. And I think that's it. Uh, and <coughs> that, that which is alien to you, foreign to you, other mm. than you, yourself depending on that thing, mm. how is that? Yeah. Is, that a, is that a great... Is that dear? Is that agreeable? Is yeah. that trustworthy? Yeah. Is that something you can relax in and put your faith in? No. No, because it's alien, because it's unknown, because it's uncertain. Oh, I don't know this person, I don't know this environment, I better be careful. Well, that's the core of your sense of mm-hmm. self, unknownable, because it's completely alien and inaccessible. So, oh, I better be careful and not take it for granted. But, uh, but I trust my body, you know. I've got good health. Mm. I feel, you know, certain. It feels friendly. Mm. <laughs> familiar. Familiar, yeah. yeah. That's it. This I, familiarity uh, yeah. due to negligence and turning a blind eye. And that's the familiarity. Is, mindfulness is becoming familiar with the context of that, which is alien, which is... Yeah, become familiar with what undermines your day-to-day familiarity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that will not be felt pleasantly initially, at least. Yeah, yeah you, you cannot... What's it? Uh, but that's the, that other term for, yeah, anitya, isn't it? Mm. Unfamiliar, isn't it? It is actually uh, dear. Nietzsche dear, was dear, homely. dear to you, homely, yeah, friendly, mm. familiar. Yeah. Nietzsche is the opposite yeah. of all of that. Yeah. And that's how we take everything. Yeah. Uh, as familiar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so it's when you want to practice contemplation on Nietzsche, you don't start on random things that that you are impersonal towards that yeah. you have, that you don't care. Oh yeah, that bottle or, or, or that chair. Like nobody. That's but like sure. science. Yeah. Yeah. But if that chair has emotional significance, you know, it's left by your grand grandparents and it's really valuable, oh yeah, then contemplate the impermanence of how somebody come and steal it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and see how you would feel on account of that. And then contain it, contain that context. Don't distract yourself towards sensuality, don't turn a blind eye towards it. And enduring that context removes basically your dependence on things that are alien. So it's diminishing your sense of self. That's it do that sufficiently there will be nothing in the world you can take as yours you can uh, get rid of things throw things away yeah, throw, you can throw, throw away, away. Yeah, yeah. stuff from my grandparents yeah. because as I said king can maybe destroy his castle thinking that will free him from his but he won't because the ownership was not in those things it was in your attitude towards them which means he'll take something else that's going to define him maybe he doesn't want to be a king anymore but he's going to take another definition of himself. In other words, his self will find a way to get re-established mm-hmm. elsewhere. Yeah. And this insight isn't dependent on yeah things changing because it's nothing to do with 
the things in themselves, it's your ownership of the things, uh, which is what yeah, you're yeah, referring yeah, to yeah, yeah. with these difference yeah. between things and determination. Exactly. Um, so then, uh, uh, Satchika or Ajivasana then refutes the Buddha, saying, A simile occurs to me, Master Gautama. Just as when seeds and plants, whatever their kind, reach growth, increase and mature, all do so in dependence upon the earth, based upon the earth. And just as when strenuous works, whatever their kind, are all done in dependence upon the earth, based upon the earth. So too, Master Gautama, a person has material has material form as self, and based upon material form, he makes good and bad choices. A person has feeling as self, and based upon feeling, he makes good and bad choices. And then he goes through five aggregates. Mm. And then the Buddha says, Ajivasana, are you not asserting thus? Material form is myself. Feeling is myself. Perception is myself. Determinations are myself. Mm. Consciousness is myself. And he then asks a counter question. What do you think, Ajivasana? Would a head anointed noble king exercise the power in his own realm to execute those who should be executed, to find those who should be fined? and to banish those who should be banished. He would exercise it, Master, Master Gautama, and he would be worthy to exercise it. What do you think, Ajivasana, when you say thus? Material form is myself. Do you exercise any such power over that material form as to say, let my form be thus, let my form not be thus? Mm. And then he goes through each of the five aggregates <coughs> so a person can understand this intellectually like uh, I don't have power ultimate power over like form or feeling or um, yeah any of these aggregates what, how does this insight yeah free free one from suffering like yeah. Well, um, by exactly what I said before, you have mm-hmm. to do it on 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 the level of things that are taken as yours, on the level of things that you do assume the ownership over. You know, a king can see whether he's in charge or not by trying to exercise power within his kingdom, not on someone else's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Then they wouldn't tell him anything. And that's exactly what people do. They try, okay, formula, but all of those are abstract things that don't actually stand for what the form is, for what the feeling is. And that's why they're not approving anything. But obviously, even um, Sachika understood that he was referring to the actual form. Yeah. So it's not that he was just this kind of... The self. Yeah, yeah that's he, why he, he was wasn't just like a, like a kind of some abstract, theoretical, kind of just trying to argue with a Buddha. Mm. He was referring to the form, which, which it is there which it is the basis, you know, we've been taking itself and so on. It's just that he thought, see, that form is always there, that feeling is always there, so whether you act like this or you act like that, that's all secondary to the fact that you are it. Yeah. But then the Buddha said, okay, that form that you do see rightly, let's mm. say like that, well, what are the properties of it? 
Can you make it not deform? Can you make it not age? Can you make it not experience elements? And then he realized, oh, he can't. So then, you're not a king. If you if if a king cannot exercise his power, he's not a king. Somebody else is, <laughs> mm. or it's not his kingdom. So if if you want to reflect that, um, with like a uh, with practical results, as I said, needs to be done on the level of your kingdom. Yeah. Uh, on, on the level of things that are dear to you, that you assume the ownership, that you feel entitled towards and justified in. So, oh, now start reflecting upon the form over there, upon the feeling over there, upon the perceptions over there. So, um, seeing the five aggregates in in the way that Satchika was doing um, is kind of like a necessary prerequisite for then yeah. looking at the determinations sure. of that self. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I think the problem is that people, as you said, due to like obviously no, it's been so long since since the Dhamma was kind of alive in the sense Buddha was teaching it uh, people don't even know what the aggregates are so when you read about the aggregates you get these abstract notions and then you reflect on the level of abstract notions and then you proliferate further in the views and that's why exactly like you know, I don't know how many times I heard yeah modern science has showed that, uh, proven the Buddha right because look everything is constantly changing or yes people observing sensations and trying to pinpoint a Nietzsche and see and, and let go of it. So all of these are the kind of proliferated abstract terms and views, while in reality you're still bound and attached with your sensual desires, uh, love of children, uh, family, company, safety, health, taking life for granted, all these vast bases that, that you could really look close, not even that closely, and you would realize, oh, this is unownable. But it's completely ignored and then just been kind of reinterpreted and re-explained through these views and yeah, electrons changing or this or sensations coming and going all that's relevant Good, that's not yeah. where your ownership is that's not where your sense of self is that's all like on the secondary terms so it's not even where the five aggregates are so to speak like you're not I mean it's all within the five aggregates but <coughs> you're not seeing them correctly as, as the context exactly is that which undermines you and Satchika does did see he sees that as that which undermines whether you do this or that, feel this or that, but then he assumed that which undermines is yours. It's there. It's stable. Even if it's changing all the time, at least it is still mine. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't obviously seeing it. He wasn't seeing the change on the right level. Mm -hmm. He was seeing the change as secondary to the form, to the feeling, and that's why he was regarding it as permanent, as mine, as myself. Yeah. But that's what we point out. Well, okay. Now that form that you refer to, can you prevent it? from deforming, being subject to illness. The feelings, can you can you make them go away when you want and bring only the ones you want? No, you are subjected to them in mm -hmm. the same way. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, none of that can be mine. But you need sense restraint and virtue to, well, to be able to see yeah, that. To reveal what is dear to you. You'll think, okay, I can control my feelings. I can eat a tasty cake and that will feel yeah, better. Yeah. No, but the virtue and sense restraint would yeah. force you to to stop turning a blind eye to what is dear to you and actually feel the weight of it and you know you're subjected to it because oh yeah it's unpleasant recognizing that these things are subject to change while you're bound with them it's it's uh, it's unpleasant it's what anxiety is it's what suffering is yeah. it wouldn't have been unpleasant no if it was if you were not bound with them but if you were yeah. in control of it, it or if you were in control of them sure. there would be no sure. yeah. Yeah, that's that suit that we said 
monks, would you be upset if people come and start collecting <coughs> these branches and twigs and burning them and stuff? No, no, of course, we're not emotionally bound with them. We don't care about them. He says, well, so should you practice towards your own body, towards your own feelings, towards your aggregates. Regard them same as these random things in the world, these heaps. But in order to do that, you have to undo all those kind of uh, bonds, so to speak, and assumptions and, and things you hold dear to you uh, that you take for granted. So stop restraining, stop acting out and maintaining that assumed ownership through your actions, and then feel the weight of it and sustain the context. And that's it. The mind will have to turn away from it because you're providing the, the, the perception of a Nietzsche in things that the mind is bound with. So it forces the mind to turn away. Oh, risk, 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 and, and goes away. That's how you turn your mind from assumptions and ownership. You can't just decide it, but if you clarify, sustain, and cultivate that context day in, day out, the mind will have to turn away because it becomes unsuitable basis for ownership. It's the automatic. suitable basis, for, exactly. Mm. The suitable basis for ownership was turning a blind eye, ignorance, ignoring it. Yeah. That's it. That's all it took. Well, that's uh, the assumptions were like. How do you know that form has your best interest at heart? Mm. <laughs> you know, why do you assume that? Yeah, that's that alien Because that is the most comfy, yeah. the Mother Earth. You, know, it's yeah. all, it's all you about just evolution assume that it's friendly, that it's for me. Because you know. I can lift my arm, I can do, yeah, I can, I'm in control of my yeah. form. Yeah. It's a gift yeah. from Mother Earth. Yeah. 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 Does she even know, does she even know that you exist? Yeah. No, it's just a selective, yeah. selective sort of... Um, it's like that uh, assumption where you, you assume that the God is looking after you, the mm. Mother Earth is looking after you. It's all for you, mm. with in interest it's in It's all you. fundamentally good. But why do you jump to that conclusion? Yeah. Because you don't know. Because on some level you know that it is other, that you've got no access to that thing. You've got no control of it. So you can feel the weight already, I think. Uh, most people would feel the weight of it. Mm. of being not in control unless no, it's all going to work out again. Yeah. yeah, so the weight yeah. of non-control is felt and then it's too unpleasant to like endure it, sustain the context in regard to it, so it's easier to just then slip back into a view, oh but this is all friendly and has my best interest in heart and everything will work out we, we're all heading to heaven because you know fundamentally we're all good and so on but it's like no that's just a coping mechanism because yeah, maybe it's good see the fact is the emphasis on maybe which means you can never know so is it worth the risk and then when it say say yeah it's good it worked out well oh but how do you know that that has worked that that will work out well next because fundamentally things you are heading to no matter how good Everything else is is sickness, aging, and death. So, is yeah. that good? Is that going to be felt lightly, pleasantly? And by the way, it doesn't mean like just all oh, sickness, aging, death. Okay, fine, I'll do with it. Well, when you're sick and dying, it means everything that is dear to you in the world, on account of your senses, your children, your family, your reputation, your name, your 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 wealth, everything else that you acquired. Oh, that's that's now been taken away so if you think you can handle death well just check beforehand even while you're alive and healthy can you handle losing everything right here and now just in mundane sense not from a death point of view just 
if somebody were to come and take everything from you, would you uh, be unmoved by any of that? Like the simile of the saw, if they come and chop off your legs. Sure, but <laughs> you don't even have to go that far. Just just take away your car, take away your house, take away your family, take away stuff you're, you're, you're familiar with. Would your mind be unmoved? If you think, oh no, well then, you can only imagine what death will do. How much it will move you. Because those are the things that will be taken away. And it's going to feel exactly like that. Thus, contemplate, sustain the context, practice sense restraint, so you withdraw yourself, you withdraw the de uh, mental dependence on those things while you still can. And then when they are taken away, one way or the other, well, there will be no no basis to undermine you because you, 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 know, you removed yourself from it. The, the simile of the, of, the, of the tree, you're on top of a tree eating <laughs> fruit and unless you come down, mm -hmm. when that tree is being cut, you will suffer a lot more if you're high up than mm -hmm. if you're kind of halfway down or completely off, off the tree. I, in, the, in the sensual <coughs> domain. Yeah. 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 If you're yeah. Mm -hmm. not uh, seeing the counterpart to the sensual domain, which is the direction of where attention is coming from rather than yeah, what you're Yeah, it's the direction of sensory strain and withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing and becoming familiar with that. And the principle of simultaneity is also important here it's in terms of sure. while, while well it's the, the sense that of yeah, so instead yeah. of looking at yeah, turning I don't know the sense of self into an object it, it's seeing what is dear to me and then allowing that to endure in the sense mm. that yeah yeah that's um, the only only yeah. uh, the only correct way yes, yeah. you can approve the sense of self yeah you can contemplate not self yeah. and not self but yeah, if it's attended directly as an object, it's it's not it's not going to work. But if you attend to things that yourself is emotionally bound with and contemplate that impermanence without ignoring the context of your bond, yeah, well, that's now undoing your sense of self.